This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Matthew chapter 14. And as we learned at the beginning of Matthew 14, Jesus learns the death of, about the death of a good friend and his cousin, John the Baptizer, who was beheaded in prison because he, had, he, he was preaching the truth and confronting the sin of, Her, of Herod and his wife Herodias. And, and so Jesus was going off somewhere to be alone, maybe to, to grieve uh, the death of, uh, of his friend. And while he was going off to be alone, he is confronted or interrupted, if you will, by this crowd. And we know that the number of just the men alone, not counting women and children, but the men alone was about 5,000 men. And, and, and Matthew and the other Gospels tell us that Jesus was moved with compassion. And so he, he spends a long time, a lot of time with this crowd and and uh he feeds this crowd with two fish and five loaves of bread and and, and is that there was such an awesome miracle and it showed the disciples that Jesus is who he says he is he is the messiah he is from god he is god in the flesh and 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 you know because we never read in the gospels that the crowd knew where this fish and this bread was coming from. They just knew that it was delicious. And they loved it. And I believe it's in John's Gospels where the crowd's going to follow Jesus around and they want to make him king. Um, but uh, the disciples knew exactly what had happened. They, they saw and they heard Jesus pray over this fish and pray over this bread. And they saw as they passed out the, the bread and the fish how it multiplied and it never ran out. And the people got to eat as much as they wanted. And so this was a miracle for the disciples to show them that, hey, I am who I say I am. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. Stick with me and, and you're going to be okay. But as awesome as a miracle as this was for the disciples to witness, Matthew chapter 14 absolutely one-ups one itself, if you will, uh, because of the end, at the end of the chapter, as we're going to talk about today, Jesus is walking on the water. And if you'll remember back in, uh, I believe it's chapter 8, Jesus, uh, there's a, uh, Jesus is asleep on the boat. Uh, a storm comes up, and it's, and it's not just an ordinary storm because th these disciples, a lot of them, uh, they've been on the water their whole lives. They, they've been fishing for a living. They've been out in storms, out on the sea, uh, and, and, and they know how to manage a boat in the storms. But for whatever reason, they couldn't manage the boat in this storm and they they to the point that they literally thought they were going to die and so they 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 go wake up jesus and and hoping that you know he's either going to calm this storm or you know or, or you know do something about this situation get them out of this situation and so they wake jesus up he gets up he speaks to the winds and the waves and this violent storm in a blink of an eye is it just it, it's just calm and smooth and it blows the disciples minds and, and they're like who is this guy who who is this that nature obeys him that the, the the he can speak to the winds and the waves and 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 they obey and so here we are in matthew 14 and they're confronted with another storm but yet this time jesus is not in the boat jesus is up in the mountain praying and the disciples are alone in verses 22 through 36 matthew writes this immediately after this uh after feeding the five thousand, jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake and he sends the he sends the people home and after sending them home he he goes up to the hills by himself to pray and night night fell while he was there alone and meanwhile the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In the fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. 
Yes, come, Jesus says. So Peter went over to the side, went over the side of the boat, walks on the water, walking toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. And after they had crossed the lake, they landed on Gennesaret. And when the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. And they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And get this, all, not, not some, but all who touched him were healed. So, Jesus is finally getting this alone time that he originally set out to get when when he learned of John the baptizer's death. He wanted to go spend some time with the father to get recharged, if you will. And and to you know, and I'm sure when he learned of John's death, it probably made him think about what's going to be happening to him here in in a short period of time, how he's going to be dying himself on a, a cruel death on on the cross uh, that will last hours and not just seconds like John's death was. Um, but before digging too far into this passage, I, I got a thought for you to, to ponder on. Um, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I would have people tell me, wait until you're 40 and you'll slow down then. Why would they say that? It's because uh, if you know me at all, you know I'm a go-getter. I'm always I'm, I'm just on the go all the time, and, and my brain is constantly on the go. I, I'm five steps ahead of you wherever you're at in your thought. You know, if we're working on something, I'm thinking uh, of, of what I'm going to do, not next, but a- after that. Or you know, I'm, I'm always ahead of, of the game. I'm just I, just the way I'm wired. It's the way I'm uh, I'm geared. I just go and I go and I go until. I absolutely have have to crash. I'm I'm high energized, um, and I never took naps before I was 40. And I always said I will never be one of those who takes naps when I turn 40. Well, three back surgeries right before I turned 40 years old changed my mind greatly because <laughs> after those three back surgeries and I turned 40, I absolutely loved to take naps and and and. I, 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 now that I'm 50, I absolutely look forward to the time that I can sit in my recliner, turn on uh, the TV, and just take a nap, a good old nap. I absolutely love naps. And, and the thing that I, I want to uh, talk about just for a brief uh, minute or so, because I want to get into this uh, uh, Jesus walking on the water but the Bible makes it absolutely clear that we are to get rest and that getting rest is, is literally a part of our walk with Jesus. Um, there, there's a reason why God made the Sabbath for the Jews in the Old Testament. And, and I know we're not to keep the Sabbath. Uh, you know, that's, that is the only commandment that is not repeated in, in the New Testament. The other nine are repeated somewhere uh, by somebody in the New Testament. But remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy is not repeated in the New Testament. But the idea behind the Sabbath is definitely there. Uh, and, and the idea behind the Sabbath is rest. And in and, and the Sabbath, and I'll, I'll talk about this in just a second, but the Sabbath, God doesn't need rest. It's not like God created all this stuff in, in six days and on the seventh day he just... He had to take a break. He was so tired, he had to sit down. No, the Sabbath was not for God to rest. The Sabbath was made for man and so that man could rest. Because when, uh, well, let's just read it. In Exodus 28 through 11, this is what God says to his people, the Jews. Remember to observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. 
just means he didn't he didn't do anything. He just sit back really and enjoyed his creation. And then Exodus says this that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Uh but the Sabbath day, you know, six days each week, you can do your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. It's a day to, that the Jews were to focus only on God. And matter of fact, in the book of Numbers, I don't know what chapter and verse it is. You can Google it. Uh, but there's actually a guy that God kills for picking up sticks. He was literally picking up sticks to make a, 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 a warm fire for his family. But it was a Sabbath day, and God killed him to make an example of him. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Um, but did God need rest? Absolutely not. Psalm uh, 121, 3 and 4 says, He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you, talking about God, he will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. You see, God, God doesn't need sleep. He doesn't need rest like we do as humans. Um, and God knew this. God knew that in His infinite wisdom, He knew that we would need rest. And that's why He created the Sabbath, not for Himself, but for, but for us, for man. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus says, uh, says, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. Not God, but people. And one of the needs that we have as people is sleep. Now, I'm not going to sit here and take time to tell you uh, how sleep affects our bodies, but I do want to encourage you to Google it. You know, If you're one of those people that you're like me and you just go and you go and you go and you go, slow down and get rest because if you will google it and just read about it it's very interesting how our body um it 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 nourishes itself when we're asleep it it heals itself when we're asleep and, and it, it's just very interesting so just take the time and google it and also take the time to get you a good nap and get you some rest that's a godly thing to do by the way so let's move on and and, and, and let's uh, let's get into uh, uh, this Matthew 14 a little deeper into this Matthew 14 passage with Jesus walking on the water because <clears throat> Jesus we have to remember Jesus was God in the flesh he was God but he was human he was the God man if you will and as a man as a human Jesus needed rest. And not only did he need rest, but he also needed recharging. But on this night, he goes off to be alone after sending away this humongous crowd and, and then sending away his disciples to go back to Bethsaida, I think is where they were going, uh, across the sea. He wouldn't spend time sleeping. Instead, he would, he, he's going to spend time resting, if you will, in the Father, which is where he gets his source of strength he's already told his disciples the importance of of getting in the closet right uh, on the sermon on the mount to get uh, get in your closet to spend time with god in other words get into a place where there's no distractions and so he's he's showing them example of this right here y'all go across the lake i'll catch up with you later i'm going up into this mountain to be alone and spend some time with the father there and so he sends them off he goes into the mountain, and he's spending some time with God. And, and I want to pause just for a brief second just to ask a question for you to ponder. Another question for you to ponder is this. How much alone time do you spend with God? How much alone time do you spend with God? Uh, I know this is cheesy, but... I, I, matter of fact, I, I've just seen it recently, but there, there's, I see this church sign from time to time that reads, seven days without prayer makes one week, W-E-A-K. I mean, what is prayer? Prayer is us communicating with God and listening for God to speak. Uh, and if we don't spend time in prayer with God, if we, if we don't spend time 
with God in His Word and allowing God to speak to us through His Word, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And communication is, is key with any kind of relationship. And if we don't spend time with God, what kind of relationship do we have with Him? You know, if, if Sunday morning is, is all we're getting, I mean, a lot of churches are, are going to a Sunday morning only service. A lot of churches are cutting out Sunday night services. And they may have a, a Wednesday night service, uh, a little get-together, or they may have a little home group thing going on through the week. But if that's, you know, it, even when churches had the Sunday night services going on, if you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, that's what, three hours? And if you went to Sunday school, four hours tops. And if, if all we're spending in a week is four hours with God, that's, that's not going to cut it. That, that's not a very good relationship. If you if you only spent that kind of time with your spouse or your significant other, what kind of relationship would you have? Not a very good one. And 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 so it is it is very important that we spend time with God in prayer, that we spend time with God listening, and then we spend time with God reading His Word so that He can speak with us. <clears throat> And I just want to say that I'm thankful for uh, the opportunity to, to do this po- podcast, the Grounded Podcast, because it actually forces me uh, to be disciplined in reading the Word and studying the Word because I have to read it, I have to study it so I can share it with y'all. Uh, but I'm also thankful for you who listen or watch on YouTube because uh, I know that you're serious in your walk with Jesus. And I know... Uh, that you feel that it is important to spend time with God. That's why you are listening to this podcast, that you're listening to this this old man, this old skateboarder break down uh, the Bible because it, it, it's helping you and it's helping me in our walk together with Jesus. And and, and just real quick before we move on, I just want to, I don't know if I've ever even said this in a podcast or not, but I, I don't make one cent uh, from making these podcasts. In fact, it costs me money. I, I pay for these podcasts out of my own pocket because my motivation is 100% about getting God's Word out to people so they can hear it, so they can understand it, and so they can get to know Jesus for themselves. And I just want to say uh, before we move on that I really appreciate you and I thank you for listening to the Grounded Podcast and for sharing the Grounded Podcast with whoever you share it with, but thank you. So back to Matthew. Jesus, he's up in the mountain. Uh, he, he, he's taking some time to be alone with the Father. And if I live in the mountains, but if you, if you ever, you know, a, a lot of my friends from West Tennessee, where I'm from, they'll come over to the mountains uh, often uh, to, to, for vacation. But a lot of people come in to Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and, and the surrounding area uh, to, 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 uh, to come to the mountains. Um, and you know, if you've ever been up on top of a mountain that you can just see mountains for days, you know, you you can see things that are a long way off and and especially storms. There's something about storms when you're in the mountains that they're just different that, you know, they they don't surprise you. They don't just pop up out of nowhere. You can see them coming and, and, and the way the, the, the thunder it's just so different in the mountains, and the way it just booms and it, and it just echoes. It's just I'm telling you, if you've never experienced it before, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it it's just different. And, and a storm is not gonna uh, it's not gonna uh, sneak up on you. And so I, I, I'm saying this to say this as a side note: Jesus absolutely 100% knew that that storm was coming, and he knew that his disciples were were out there in that storm. And he let them go through it. He, he didn't shoo away the storm. He didn't tell them, say, hey, there's a storm coming, so be ready. He knew the storm was there. He knew the storm was coming. But he didn't immediately run to the rescue. Mark 6, 48 says that he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the winds and the waves. But you know what? He allowed them to struggle for a while. Now, we've already talked about this on previous podcasts, 
But God is absolutely 100% not going to keep us from storms, but he will go with us through the storms. And for the life of me, I I don't understand why people can't get this. They don't understand this. People who who even follow Jesus, they, they just... They think that God is supposed to keep them from anything going wrong in their lives. And they get so mad at God. And they even curse God when something bad happens in their lives. Listen to me. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, Jesus was hated by the people who were expecting him to come. The religious leaders, the church people, they hated him. They chased him around. They threatened to kill him. They would pick up stones several times to try to stone him. They would try to push him off a cliff at one point until he escaped them. Uh, They actually finally get to kill him, and they they have him beaten. And uh, he's mocked. He's nailed to a cross. He's hung up to die and where he struggles to breathe for six hours. A brutal death. I don't understand why people think if God allowed his own son to go through all of that, why would he not allow us to go through storms? Do we think that we're better than Jesus? We are we are absolute we don't even begin to measure up. To Jesus at all and if God did not spare his own son why would he spare you why would he spare me we're no better than Jesus Jesus was perfect he never did anything wrong and we're sinners we do all kinds of stuff wrong we deserve the consequences that we face because we make horrible choices Jesus always made the right choice. Jesus always did the right thing, but yet he still suffered. So why do we think that God's supposed to spare us the suffering? It doesn't work that way. That's not the way life is. Life is difficult. Things happen. Storms come. And and that they come for many different reasons. But regardless of the reasons that they come, they come. And and Jesus knew he absolutely 100 percent knew that his disciples were out there in that storm they're they're rowing for their lives they're fighting with everything they have to get across the sea and he allowed them to deal with it for a period of time but then he's going to show up and take care of the storm and here's the deal we don't know exactly how long he allowed them to suffer but but let's be generous with this because we don't know what time it was it was late in the evening. It was getting dark when Jesus told the, the people, the crowd of people, to go home. And he told his disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side, and he will catch up with them later. But if we're generous, let's just say it's 9 p.m. All right, well, if we go with 9 p.m., Matthew tells us that Jesus came to the disciples rowing in that boat, walking on the water at 3 a.m., <clears throat> At 3 a.m. So if we said it was 9 o'clock when they got in the boat and it was 3 o'clock when Jesus shows up, that would be six hours they spent rowing for their lives, trying to get to the other side as Jesus had told them to do. But as hard as they row, you know what? They don't get very far. Matter of fact, in John chapter 6, verse, excuse me, in John chapter 6, verse 19, it says they rowed three or four miles. So if we're generous, they were rowing for six hours and they didn't get very far, three or four miles. They're worn out. They had to be getting tired, which makes me think of another point. You know, we can fight storms in our lives, in our own strength. But no matter how hard we try, we're never going to make it to our destination. And at some point, we're going to want to quit and we're going to want to give up. And unfortunately, way too many people give up. You can row and you can row and you can row and you will never get there. And all you're doing is wearing yourself out. Trust me. I know 
I know what I'm talking about because even I've been following Jesus since I was 11 years old and I'm 50. So that's what, 39 years. And even to this day, I continue to find the oars in my hands. That I am trying to take control of this boat and get out of this storm. And I'm just worn out. And if you're honest, you would say the same thing. Because life beats the crap out of us. Life is hard. And when we're trying to make it on our own, we're just spinning our wheels, if you will. We're just rowing with our oars in this storm. And we're tired. We're weary. And we're worn out. And Peter, what does Peter say? He says, Lord, save me. He just, he, he just cries out. Save me. So maybe that's you today. Maybe you're just, you're crying. You're at that point. You're just crying out, Lord, save me. And maybe that's what you need to be crying out. Lord, save me. So instead of arguing with God and being mad at God, just accept the fact that, hey, life happens. Storms come. And there's going to be times that our faith is going to be tested and we're going to have a choice to make. Maybe this is you right now. Am I going to trust God through this storm or am I just going to give up and quit trusting God? But my question would be to you is, where are you going to go if you give up on God? You cannot make it through a storm on your own. And if you don't believe me, the next time a storm comes up, just go outside and speak to that storm and see what happens. I can make you a 100% guaranteed promise that it's going to continue to thunder, there's going to be lightning, and you will get wet if you're standing outside in the storm. But if we continue to trust God through the storm, he will help us just like he did Peter and the other disciples. Because <clears throat> here's what happens. The disciples, they see Jesus, or at least they see somebody. They don't really know it's Jesus. They see somebody walking on the water. And, and my question is, how did they see this figure walking on the water? Because they're in a storm. It's, it, 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 it's, uh, there's strong wind. There's waves. If, if it's not raining, you got waves crashing in your face like crazy because the boat's going crazy. It's very dark. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. And if there's a storm there, that means there's no cloud. I mean, there's no, uh, the clouds have the, the moon and the stars covered. So it's, it's just darkness. So how do they see this figure walking on the water? And in fact, in John's gospel, he adds something to this story that's very interesting to me, and I really don't know how to explain it. The only explanation that I have is that maybe Jesus was wanting to see if the disciples would notice him and cry out to him, or he was, he was coming to take the lead to help them. Um, in Mark chapter 6, I said John previously, but I meant Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 6, 48 through 50 says, Jesus saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Now listen to what Mark says. He intended to go past them, but then they saw him walking on the water, and they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They, they weren't crying out, Jesus, save us. No, they were scared out of their minds thinking that they're, they're seeing a ghost and they're, they're crying out in terror. Oh my gosh, there's a ghost. We're, you know, what's going on? And, and Mark says that they were all terrified when they saw him. And <clears throat> it wasn't until Jesus starts talking to them that they realize it was Jesus. And when he starts talking to them, it, it, when he was walking past, it's, it's almost as if Jesus was saying to them, you know, guys, what's the trouble? Why are y'all struggling in this storm since, you know, most of y'all are experienced fishermen. You've been in these storms before. You know how to, you know how to handle a boat in a storm. Don't you just see how easy it is? I mean, I, I can walk on these waters. 
I, I can walk on these these uh, strong waves that are just going crazy with no trouble at all. And, and, and y'all been rowing for hours, and you've only got you've only gotten about three or four miles. Look, how, you know, I came that far in just a matter of minutes. Look, look how easy it is. <clears throat> Here's my point in that. No matter, no matter how bad the storm is, no matter how dark it is around you, no matter how strong the winds are, no matter how rough the waters get, Jesus will help us in the storm. And you will know it is Jesus. How will you know that it is Jesus? Because he's going to stand out. He's going to call out to you. Hey, don't be troubled. It's me. Don't be troubled. I'm here. That's what you're going to hear. Listen to what God tells Israel, even back in the Old Testament. Israel was God's chosen people. He, he They were his vine. Uh, they, they, God chose Israel out of all the people of the Old Testament to be their God, and they would be his people. And even though they would fail him many, many times, he never, he never left them nor fors- or forsook them. Uh, they had become complacent in their walk with God. They had tolerated sin to the point that God said in Second Chronicles thirty-six sixteen that there was no remedy. The priest had become so wicked, and so. God is about to allow the Babylonians to come in and, and wipe them off the face of the earth. I mean, men, women, children, old and young, they're going to be killed. They're going to see loved ones die. And if they were uh, fortunate enough to make it out alive, they're going to be carried back to Babylon into captivity. They're going to be taken away from their homeland. That, that That's all they know. And this temple... Where they they where God comes and visits with them, and where they go and visit with God, and where they make these sacrifices to God, the temple that they hold so dear in their hearts, it, it's going to be absolutely destroyed. And so that's why God sends prophet after prophet after prophet to warn them of what's coming if they don't repent. And He says this to to Israel. In Isaiah 43, 1-3, he says, But now, O Jacob, and that's Israel, he says, Listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who formed you. Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So he, he is, he's re- reminding them that he created them, he loves them, and they are his. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. So God knew that this was coming. And he tried to warn them. And, and, and the people just took God for granted. And so he says, when you go through deep waters, it's coming. You got a chance to repent, but if you don't repent, this is coming. When you go through deep waters, it, you're, it, you're, you're gonna, it's going to happen. But you know what? He says, I have... When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. It it feels like it. It's going to feel like it, but you're not going to drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. You ever been to a place like in life that it's just been so difficult and you just feel like I cannot do this no more. I cannot take this anymore. And God says, just stay with me. Stay just trust me. Hang with me. I I'm I'm with you. You will not drown. You will not burn. The flames will not consume you. Because I mean you think you put yourself in Israel's shoes <clears throat> they brought this calamity on themselves for not repenting and for living in sin when God was trying to warn them to repent, repent, repent of your sin, and they didn't do it. And God says there's no more remedy. Nothing else can be done. And so he allows their enemies to come in. And they're watching their loved ones being tortured, raped, murdered. They're dying like flies. And, 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 and 
their what was left was taken into uh, Babylonian captivity. They've lost their homeland, and this land is going to set desolate for seventy years, empty and quiet for seventy years. But God reminded them again in verse three. He says, "For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior." He says, I made you, I created you, I'm with you. You're going to go through this difficult time. And when you do go through this difficult time, just remember, I'm with you. You won't drown. You will not be burned up. And just keep in your memory that I am the Lord your God. I am the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And I just can't imagine what these people are thinking when they're going through uh, what had happened. They're mocking the prophets that God has sent to warn them, yet God never stopped loving them. And God's going to continue to follow through with His plan. And through this uh, very difficult time in Israel's history, God kept a remnant for himself. And in Isaiah 10, in other places, it talks about God sparing a remnant. And from that little remnant that was left, they got to go back after that 70 years and and start rebuilding Israel and Jerusalem again in the temple. And, And through that little remnant that was left, the Messiah would come. Jesus would come from that remnant. So God loved Israel enough to send them warnings. He loved them enough to punish them when they were disobedient. And He loved them enough to restore their relationship. Although they went through hell, literally hell, though they went through these terrible storms, if you will, God was always with them. And despite what it looked like when when they saw the Babylonians coming, and as the Babylonians climbed over their walls of their fortified cities and began to destroy their city and and kill their loved ones, rape their loved ones, and, and just do whatever they wanted to into their city and to destroy the temple and take these people that were left away from their homeland, and they're crying out, Why, God? Why is this happening? Where are you? Why have you abandoned us? He, he, he never left them. He never abandoned them. And we're promised, even in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, that Jesus said He will never leave us nor forsake us. And matter of fact, when when... When we cry out to God like that, why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this storm? Where are you? And it seems like God is nowhere around. It's just like Jesus being on the mountain and, and, and watching his disciples row for their lives, literally for their lives, in this storm. He knew that storm was there. He knew the disciples were rowing as hard as they could row, but he allowed them for hours to endure the storm. And when Israel was going through this, uh, this time, uh, uh, this horrible, horrible time, and, and it seemed like God was nowhere around, you know what? God was there the whole time. He was sitting up in heaven, and He was watching everything that took place. Now, some people see... God as you know this horrible mean person that that because he allowed all this calamity to happen in the old testament but 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 I see a God of mercy because he could have destroyed Israel completely like he did Sodom and Gomorrah I mean Sodom and Gomorrah was literally wiped off the face of the earth never to be uh found again never to be restored again it's gone when God wiped it out he literally wiped it out <clears throat> but Israel with Israel he left a remnant and he would use that remnant to carry out his plan to bring his son into the world to be our sacrifice for our sins and I said all of that about Israel 
and, and about Jesus being in the mountain, just to say this, God is never, ever caught off guard. He knows every single thing that is going on in our lives. And he hears our pleas and he hears our cries. And I just thought about Israel when, when they were slaves in Egypt. They cried out to God for like 400 years for God to deliver them. And then when God delivered them, they complained and whined and wandered, ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't want to trust God to get them into the, the land of promise. Listen, God knows everything that is going on in your life. He knows, he sees, and he's watching what you're dealing with. And just at the right time, he will show up and he will deliver you Maybe not from the storm, but he will deliver you through the storm. You see, the disciples saw somebody, something walking on the water. They saw something caught their attention. And they didn't know it was Jesus until Jesus spoke to them. Because they thought they're seeing a ghost. That's what Matthew says. And you got to remember, hey, it's three in the morning. It's, it's, it's pitch black dark. It's storming out there. There's this big huge storm and the, the, the wind's blowing like crazy and there's, there's waves crashing into the boat the boat you know they're trying to row and as they're trying to row and these waves are coming over the boat water's going in their eyes they've been rowing for hours and and, and for about three or four miles and they're tired and and you know what happens when we're tired we're, we're, we see things that are not there and we don't see things that are there because we're tired and we're not thinking right. And we're grumpy, we're ill. And so as Jesus approaches the boat, they, they think they see it. They see something, but they, they think it's a ghost and they cry out in terror. Oh my goodness, it's a ghost. But it's Jesus who talks to them. And he tells them, don't be afraid. How many times did he tell them that? Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. It's me. It's Jesus. And this is some great words for all of us to hear when we're going through a storm. But instead of believing, we're just like the disciples. We're, I mean, absolutely just like the disciples. Jesus shows up. He says, hey, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Everything's going to be all right. But what, what does Peter, and, and, and I'm sure he's the spokesperson for the rest of the disciples at this point, in, in this storm, in this boat, Peter, he's going to shout out to Jesus. Hey, he, he gets criticized for this all the time. But, but I, I, I think he did the right thing. He, he, he's going to speak up. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus says, it's me, man. Come on. Walk on the water if you want. If that's what it takes for you to, to believe, then, then, then come on out to me. What, is, what does it take for you to believe? What does it take for you to know that Jesus is with you through this storm? He's not going to keep you from the storm. He's going to come out to you in the storm. And, and to know that, hey, I am with you. Trust me. Do not fear. Take courage. Well, Lord... We do this all the time. Lord, if it's really you, then do this. Do that. And Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, let me come out to you. Tell me to come out to you. Let me walk on the water. And Jesus says, come on. It's me. Walk on the water. Do it. And so this brings me to another point that I've covered in my previous podcast. So I'm just going to rush through it real quickly. But in my opinion, it's okay to get upset with God. It's okay to question God. Jesus even questioned God on the cross. But what is not okay is to not to to give up on God and to no longer put our trust in Him. It's not okay to walk away from God and to give up and say, "Look, if you're going to allow me to go through this junk, it's not for me. You should keep me from this. That that that's that's not okay." Look at this passage. 
Jesus allowed his disciples, who have trusted him for quite some time now, who have seen him do all these miracles, Jesus allowed them to go through this storm. And just because he showed up in the storm, hey, the storm didn't stop. The storm kept raging. The wind kept blowing. The, the, the waves kept bashing against the boat and the disciples. And how do I know that? It's because when Peter calls out to Jesus and he gets out of the boat and he starts to walk on the water, what does he see? He, see, he feels the wind and he sees the waves. And that comes from the text. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sing, Save me, Lord! He shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? And it wasn't until Peter and Jesus get back into the boat that the storm calms down. Because verse 32 says, When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of god they exclaimed but we're just like the disciples jesus shows up and we're like is it really you how do i know that's really you and you know do this for me do that for me i just need to know that you are here that that it's really you and jesus is saying i'm with you i never leave you nor forsake you i've been here the whole time i know what you're dealing with i know what you're going through why, why do you doubt me? And we do it all the time. But then when we come through the storm, and the storm calms down, we're like, ah, oh, yeah, you really are who you say you are. You really are the Son of God. You really are the Messiah. And we worship. And the word for worship here is proskuneo in the Greek, and it means to kiss the hand like a dog licking its master's hand. And if you own dogs, you know exactly uh, what this means. But this also means to fall on the knees and touch the ground with the forehead. You know, they're bowing down, and they're touching their forehead on the bow of the boat, <clears throat> the floor of the boat. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a, an expression of a profound reverence. But I believe that the disciples were doing both. I believe that some were bowing. I think some were kissing his hands, I, I think that uh, they were hugging Jesus too uh, because they're all excited that it's, it, that it's him and, they're, hey, they're not going to die. They're safe. The storm is calm. He's with us now. We're, we're not alone because we've been down this road before. They, they've been in a violent storm, as I mentioned at the beginning, and it was, that, that storm was so violent they thought they were going to die. So that, uh, Jesus at that time was on the boat with them, but this time... They're alone, and they're having to struggle for themselves as they row that boat through that storm, and they can't get very far. And in, a, in a, a, a several hours, they only get three or four miles, and, and they're getting exhausted. And so they're kind of starting to think, we're going to die in the storm. Where is Jesus? Why doesn't he come and save us? Why don't he rescue us? If he really is the Messiah, if he really is God like he claims to be, then why don't he do something to help us here? And I don't know about you. I, I, I would almost dare say that you, you've been to this point, but I know I have been to that point. I've been to that point to cry out to God and say, where are you? I don't even know, you know, do I keep going? I don't know if I can keep going. I am absolutely worn out. Matter of fact, I just told somebody yesterday, uh, that I am, well, or Sunday it was, that I am worn out mentally. I'm just worn, slap dab out. And, you know, I, I just would love to have some rest for my mind. Um, but I'm sure that you have your own battles. You are going through your own storms, and, and maybe you are at that point now, or you've been to that point in the past. That you're just overwhelmed and and you cry out to God, you know, help, do something about that. You know, why doesn't he show up to help us? And then when Jesus shows up, 
They're so overwhelmed with relief. They're so overwhelmed with joy. And they realize this man is exactly who he claims to be. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the Son of God. Now, I'm going to end with this. I don't know what you're going through today, but I do know this. In the words of Michael Jackson, you're not alone. You're not alone. God knows everything that you're dealing with. He knows what you're going through. He knows the storms that you're facing, the storms that you're rowing in right now or even in the past. And although God may allow you to go through the storm, and although it, it does feel like you're all alone, and it does sometimes feel like He doesn't care, I just want to remind you that He does care, and you're not alone. He knows what you're going through, and if you will continue to trust Him, He's going to show up. He is going to show up and help you. You may not recognize Him at first. The disciples didn't. And they were walking with him literally every day. And they didn't recognize him. But he's going to speak. And you're going to know his voice. And when that happens, you will, how do I put this? You will know peace. Your storm, it may not automatically stop. The winds and the waves didn't automatically stop for the disciples and for Peter. The wind kept blowing and the waves kept crashing. And it wasn't until Jesus and Peter climbed back into the boat that the wind stopped. God's going to allow you to go through the storm. But He's going to be with you there. And He is with you there. And at some point, He's going to speak. And everything's going to be alright. And when that point comes, when that day comes... And that storm settles and all is calm. Don't forget Jesus. Worship Him. Kiss His hand. Praise Him. Glorify Him for bringing you through it all. Go ahead. Get out of the boat. And like Peter, start walking. Start walking toward Him. Because He's saying, come on. Trust me. I got you. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.